We knew the world would not be the same. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another. Shot. He's been shot. Lee Oswald has been shot. There's a man with a gun. Absolute panic. Absolute panic here in the basement of Dallas Police Headquarters. Detectives have their guns drawn. There is no question about it. Oswald has been shot at point blank range, fired into his stomach. He is shot. He is shot. Oswald. It is Oswald. This is It Happened One Year, a look back at events big and small, famed and forgotten, from 1967. Hey everybody, we're doing it again! Welcome to the show. Here we are. It Happened One Year, 1967. Yeah. That's, That's it. That's the one. Right. Sometimes I get confused. <laughs> I'm like, is it 65? No, it's 67. It's definitely 67. That's what you get confused about? <laughs> I thought it'd still be 1994 might be hanging you up, but... Uh, no, it's what, what exact year? 66? No, having a hard seven. time connecting to the material. <laughs> that might be that might be part of the issue. Well, everybody, here yeah. we are doing it again. 1967. We're just we're yeah. plowing forward. We got more stuff to talk about. So we're uh, we're here again talking about 1967, but uh, we got to so, so throw some thanks to some of our friends who were helping us out, making things a little more interesting. Yeah, you'll have noticed that the intro was not me, Sarah, or that robot we've used once in a while. <laughs> uh, that was my cousin, the Batman, who will appear in a gigantic upcoming episode we're working on about the uh, UFO sighting in Shag Harbor 1967. He also played George Steinbrenner in the Baseball Humbug <laughs> episode, so... Batman as uh, a legend here in the uh, It Happened One Year podcast family. We just have, uh, just, our friends are filled with acting talent. Filled. Oh, just so it's much ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, I managed to strong arm a whole bunch of people to come back and help out yet again in an episode that'll come out sometime in the next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. But uh, we, we do have a bunch of these sort of intros coming. Yeah. Uh, I exactly. don't think they were prepared for what episodes they might be connected to. And so uh, he managed <laughs> to luck out with this, the uh, bringers so of chaos. chaos. Sowers yeah. of chaos? Sowers of chaos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we were looking it over, trying to see if we could uh, bring in a third for this, uh, this group. Who else Three. brought the chaos? But we yep. didn't want to talk about Joe Rogan, born in 1967. <laughs> It didn't. We did not. Um, if I can avoid talking about Joe Rogan in my day to day life on the podcast ever again, I think that would be a wonderful thing. Everybody's lives would be better. Um, also, if you listen to Joe Rogan, stop. Don't do that. That's you don't need to do that. Yeah. No, he's not a, yeah. not a good dude. But but we looked when we looked up and down the list. Like we were looking for people who died or people that were born that maybe we could tack on. And the only other person who came up was also was Kellyanne Conway, also born in 1967. I was like, I don't think we want to do that, right? No. No, no. Although a true sower of chaos, but with all the lies. Right. Anyway, 
and we're right. living through that, you know, like we're so far beyond people who have died in 67 that I yeah. feel like we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some people who created us, uh, made our world a bit more chaotic than it would have been otherwise. Uh, Jack Ruby and uh-oh, Dave Oppenheimer. J. Robert Oppenheimer. J. Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> they, they did create chaos in very different ways. Yes. But both that I think led to uh, a lot of a lot of problems in the 1960s, 50s, today. Just continuing yeah. on. Yeah. Continuing on. Yeah. So I'll let's kick it begin. Off. Let's, let's begin. Let's with begin. Uh, listeners, story time. Dazzling nightclub owner. John Jefferson Ruby. <laughs> no. Oh. Close, though. Um, it wasn't uh, just Jack Ruby. He, he was born uh, Jacob Leon Rubinstein. Oh, okay. Uh, he was born in Chicago, I think, over uh, by UIC. I don't... Uh, <laughs> in the Maxwell Street neighborhood. Which oh, okay. Is, like uh, the Italian village, uh, but uh, Little Italy. I don't actually know what we call that neighborhood. I think it's Little Italy. That's where Maxwell Street is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, over by UIC. So uh, roughly there. Yeah. Um, Jack Ruby, uh, as you all know, we'll get into a little bit of his, his details, but he's the one who, uh, in case you're unfamiliar, um, killed the guy who killed uh, President Kennedy, probably, maybe. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we know Jack Ruby killed Lee Harvey Oswald. We don't know what Lee Harvey Oswald might have done. That's why I added probably, maybe. Let's be clear. <laughs> Jack Ruby shot him on television. Oh, my God. Lee Harvey Oswald may have been at the movies at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Again, yeah. that's why I added probably maybe. However, Jack Ruby did die um, unconvicted of that crime. So he was, at the time of his death, he was not actually convicted of, of killing Lee Harvey Oswald. Why was he still sitting in prison four years later then? He was waiting for a retrial. So they had declared his first trial. I, I don't know if it was a mistrial, but they had he was convicted, but they were retrying him because they said uh, two reasons. One was that he he should have been tried in a different location. So they had oh. moved him, moved the trial to a different county. And then there was some other technical le legal reason, which is hilarious. Because he shot him on live TV. Like, I don't he think there's any dispute that he killed Lee Harvey Oswald, right? But yeah, he died unconvicted of the crime. Interesting. So Jack Ruby, born in Chicago, he had like he had a pretty rough childhood. We won't get into the details, but he, uh, not not especially pleasant uh, childhood. He was in a foster home for a while. His mom was a uh, was in the mental was in a mental hospital for a little while. So um, not great. And then at some point, he moves down to Dallas. He becomes a nightclub, a strip club, other kind of club owner. And there are rumors that he has ties to organized crime. He's a little mobbed up. He's seen with mobsters in, in Dallas. He allegedly got, you know, gave free booze, gave prostitutes to all of the, the people in Dallas. So I'm going to tell the straight Jack Ruby story as, uh, uh, of what happened with the Kennedy assassination. Then we'll get into any of the details. But okay. As the story goes, um, no conspiracies uh, included. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas. Jack Ruby finds out he's like at the post office or something. He's nearby, but he's not at the parade. Finds out he like goes and, and closes his club for three days in, in mourning. He's like seen around town a little bit. He shows up that day at a press conference that Oswald is at. And allegedly he claimed later that he had his gun in his pocket at the press conference, but doesn't do anything. 
and then is, is supposedly so distraught over the death of President Kennedy that he goes two days later when Oswald is being transferred to a, uh, to a different location and uh, shoots him on live TV, kills him. So he said, just so distraught. He didn't want Jackie Kennedy to have to go through a trial. That's the whole like reason. It's just so upset. He has a tinge of uh, mental illness in his family. So his lawyer actually said that he was going through a psychotic um, seizure at the time. He blacked out and then like his body shot <laughs> Oswald. But but oh. that uh, uh, Ruby wasn't in control of his uh, of his uh, actions at the time. Interesting so- defense strategy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It uh, doesn't work. He gets convicted, goes to jail, and then, you know, uh, a year or so later, they agreed to retry him, and, and he was awaiting retrial when he dies of lung cancer, mm. which, as the story goes, he didn't actually know he had until after he was in prison, because um, they say they found it in a physical in prison. Now, there's no real proof that he didn't know he had it, but th- allegedly, they found it um, all through his body, um, although it was a, a pulmonary issue that ultimately killed him. But so while he was in jail, they found out he had cancer, he was ill, and he died. And he was older-ish, right? Like, he wasn't 40, right? Yeah, he died in 1967, and he was born on either in April or in March. There's some conflicting data here in 1911 or 1911. So I'm just saying. (laughs) More conspiracies. More conspiracies. I mean, Are you saying Jack Ruby caused (laughs) 9-11? Did Jack Ruby do 9-11? That's a very important question we'll have to answer here on It Happened One Year. I don't think Muhammad Atta had anything to do with shooting Lee Harvey Oswald, but maybe. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, so yeah. I mean, look, is it suspicious that two days after the president's killed, the guy who kills the president is also killed? Yeah. Suspicious. Yeah. Is it? It's it's a little sketchy. I would would describe it as a little sketchy. A guy who was claiming almost from the moment that it happened that he didn't do it, and then he only lives another 48-ish hours. (laughs) Weird that this guy, the biggest criminal on earth, can be accessed by regular people on the street. Uh, so this, yes, also true. Um, so the story goes for the people who believe Jack Ruby just like did this on his own because he had to kill it, kill Lee Harvey Oswald. You know, there there are people who will verify that he was really distraught after the assassination. There are also people who will say he was not distraught at all and was having a great time. So, you know, yeah, one or the other. Two, there's like a number of people that they cite who say there's no way anybody would trust Jack Ruby to be a a secret part of a big conspiracy because dude could not keep a secret. Basically, everyone was like, if you met him, you'd know. Uh, No, (laughs) no one would ever ask him to do this and expect him to keep it quiet. So, so there is some evidence that he did do it on his own. And then there's this whole thing with his dog. He like brought his dog with him, left his dog in the car when he shot uh, Oswald, which Mm. I guess is a way to imply that he didn't, he wasn't going to kill Oswald because he left his dog in the car. I don't think that's a very strong argument, but that is an argument that people make. Interesting. So there is a case to say Jack Ruby just was really sad and, and wanted to go kill the person who killed Kennedy. There's also a lot of evidence that there are lots of ways in which Jack Ruby could have owed something to the mob. He was super in debt when he died. None of his businesses were working out. He seemed like kind of a buffoon. He had dinner the night before the assassination with the number two mob boss in Dallas, who was like super connected to the guy, I think in Chicago, who is who was the one who was talking the most about killing the president. So that's a little sketchy the night before it happens. Yeah. Um, 
in in like the three months before the assassination, Ruby called like internationally and the Chicago guys like tenfold what he did before that. Like he just really increased his calls to people who would be tied to killing the president. Um, so that's not great. And then, you know, he was just kind of crooked. And so the theory is that the mob made him do it. And also afterwards, he told a bunch of people that the mom made him do it. And so that also was evidence that maybe uh, it was part of a conspiracy. Like he, he like, there's stories of him slipping people notes, saying it was a conspiracy. There's even some like verbatim testimony that he gave as part of the Warren Commission that where he alludes to like, I did this as part of a grander purpose, or I did this for a purpose, or like I, w- I was asked it like, essentially like alludes to the fact that that maybe he did this for a reason why they didn't then ask more questions about that. I don't know, Mm. but uh, could it it be that the Warren commission wasn't entirely on the up and up? Perhaps Um, seems like there was ample, ample opportunity to get him to talk. And then right before he died, he said he knew who was, uh, who, who was uh, responsible for the assassination of Kennedy. And they just didn't ask. (laughs) They were like, Oh, cool. So the idea that we wouldn't have Jack Ruby involved in a conspiracy because he might talk about it, and then all he does is talk about it for the next three years, (laughs) seems legit then. It doesn't. It doesn't really hold up that uh, that he just they just wouldn't ask him to do it. Um, So yeah. So Jack Ruby, that's Jack Ruby. What do you got for me? Well, so again, I think I've said on this show before that I've always been of the opinion that everyone is on board with me that this is not a real thing, right? That Lee Harvey Oswald didn't kill John Kennedy. Like, isn't, I've always assumed everybody was on board with that. Yeah. And I just don't know. Like, because so much time has passed and I grew up thinking that. So that's been part of my thought process since I was a kid. Like, I just always yeah. assumed that that was what it was. So the Jack Ruby part of this is actually, you know, more evidence of this. If Lee Harvey Oswald just lived and then went to jail and kept saying he was innocent or whatever, you know, it would kind of be like, you know, well, maybe, you know, it's possible. I mean, they they could have kept interviewing him or doing whatever and coming up with more information because, you know, Oswald was clearly connected to people that had something to do with like he was somehow involved in a very general sense if they were going to still make him a patsy like he still had to be very involved in some low level way yeah but then him getting killed the way he does is so suspicious yeah and and jack ruby being such a shady person to begin with yep and connected to like the mob who the mob's always been one of the well maybe the mob was involved in killing kennedy and like all the various reasons kennedy could have been killed yeah. Um, it just all makes sense to me. Like that just all falls into place. And then Ruby dying in, in a you know, fairly short yeah. amount of time, even though he's apparently given, given uh, testimony and uh, slipping notes, you know? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I read his Wikipedia page. I got like halfway through and I was like, there's no way he was tied to anybody else. And then I read the rest of it. I was like, Oh, Oh, he, de- someone, someone made him do this. Right. Like, no, even if he no wasn't one. like part of the plan, yeah. the fact that then they could leverage him to do like, yeah. we need you to do this. That makes sense to me. Like the mob can do stuff like that, you know, like you just, this is how it is. So yeah, yeah. I don't like, none of that is really a surprise to me. It's weird that after all this time, there's still no answer. Like, you know, this is just what it is. You know, yeah. I don't think all the records connected to this are going to be unsealed for another 50 or 60 years. And even then I'm sure that stuff will get lost. Like they don't, they don't want people to actually know what this was about, obviously, you know, Yeah. but no, like, I think that 
Jack Ruby's an interesting figure because of that, because he is such this wild card loose cannon that it, all, he he does this and you can discount everything he says at yeah. the same. He's just the perfect person, right? Totally, so, yeah. totally. I do think it's interesting that he went to the press conference because if it really was spontaneous, he, why would he go to the press conference two days before with a gun? Right. Knowing that, like, basically was saying he was going to kill him there, you know? Right. I mean, He's just looking for an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this and was the, really the last chance. And the way that Oswald gets killed is so strange. Like, getting killed on TV, yeah. I, I think, is is kind of happenstance. Like, I don't think that was part of the plan. But it's still the fact that he's so accessible. Yeah. This could happen. Like, he's such a... Like, you see that when they arrest him, the videos of them taking him through hallways and such, there's people who have access to him a little bit, but he's still surrounded by cops, you know? Yeah. And then this happens, where he's just being paraded in front of cameras... Yeah. And happens to be available to get shot. It's just ridiculous. Like ridiculous. You know, even then, like now you'd be like, sure, this is impossible. But even yeah. then this shouldn't have been possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was some like, they don't know, but the theory is that some, someone had to let Ruby in, even if they didn't know what he was there to do. Like yeah. he, he had impersonated a, a member of the press in that press conference. That's how he got into it two days before. So he might've been doing that again. I don't know. Yeah. But apparently one of the cops that was there recognized him. And like after he shot Oswald, he yelled something like, God damn it, Jack, or something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> or like, he's going to die, Jack, or something like that. But, damn it, um, Jerry. <laughs> God. God damn it, Leroy. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so Jack Ruby. <laughs> And shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I've always thought that the Ruby thing is such a, a clear sign that this is not on this whole event is not on the up and up. Yeah. I don't even understand how there's a debate. Like, I don't understand how this is even still a thing, you know? Like, yeah. But then on the other hand, I'm kind of like, am I so blinded from years and years of thinking this that, like, it's like 9 11 conspiracy people who are like, well, how did that other building fall down? No one ever explains that. And then if you look it up, it's like, oh, people have explained this well like this is not even an issue you're just <laughs> trying cool. not to see the solution am yeah. i trying not to see the solution with lee harvey oswald i don't think there's enough data right like 9 11 is different because you can use science to explain why the buildings fell and you like there there's 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 experts who can tell you what happened this is just like i don't know we're, did other people plan this there's you don't know like not all the ev evidence could point to the fact that he did or it could point to the fact that he didn't do it as part of a bigger group or you know yeah i i just i don't think there's a it's hard to be willfully ignorant about this because there's not enough information to be willful willfully ignorant of yeah. like i just don't i think everyone's just gonna have an opinion based on what you know and yeah, yeah. i think it's a it really is just like what do you believe? Yeah. I, you know, I, but I think this is why I'm so, I'm surprised when I ever hear that the, the, like a percentage of a poll isn't just a hundred percent. This didn't really happen because I'm always yeah. just surprised. Like the magic bullet theory alone is so strange. And then all yeah. of this other stuff that happens immediately afterwards, yeah. and all of the people who are there to benefit, you know, like all the reasons that Kennedy could have, it all makes sense. You know, it's yeah. just like, you don't expect this to happen. And considering no president's been killed since then, clearly they've put in things to stop this from happening. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it's so peculiar, but I just don't know. Like, I, I, and I think I said this before, and there's no way really to know, but I just, I'm curious that, like, do people really believe this? Is this really, yeah. like, now the textbook history 
you know, John Wilkes Booth answer? Like, is that just, yeah. is it just clear? And there's no, there isn't a debate about it anymore. Or is it just that it's happened so long ago that it doesn't matter anymore? You know, it's, it was, Kennedy was killed almost 60 years ago now. So. Yeah. Like, I think it's harder for us because we didn't live through it by the time right. we were adults. I mean, it, you know, it had been 40 years ago or, you know, whatever it was, I must have been fascinating to live through because yeah. like, if you, I don't know how quickly it became clear that maybe the narrative wasn't the actual, wasn't actually what happened. Right. Um, People but, didn't even see the Zapruder film for 10 years or something. Yeah. Like that, that wasn't a, like out in the public for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And the Zapruder film, I think did change opinions, but I think yeah. it's literally the late seventies before that was part of the like public could, they were like, they started publishing pictures from it and stuff. Yeah. So. And I wonder if that's part of why, like, it happens they have the Warren Commission. The Warren Commission basically says, like, we're good yeah. to go. And the Warren Commission, I think, was, like, right after it happened. I think wasn't so. It? It's in the yeah. series. I mean, Jack Ruby's still alive, so it was in the series. It was in the 60s. Yeah. Um, the the article I read referred to 1979 as 15 years after the Warren Commission. So that would have put it in no. 1964, like, immediately after it happened. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, either, did they have this Zapruder film or no? I think they did. I think they had access to it. Yeah. I know the Zapruder film definitely was in that trial, the Jim Garrison, yeah. yep. Clay yep. Shaw trial, because again, a lot of my basis for JFK stuff comes from the JFK movie because I saw it when I was 10, you know, yeah. or 12. Yeah. And that was like, you know, but that I know it was then and that's in the late 70s. So um, yeah. I'm pretty sure the Warren Commission must have had access to it, though. Yeah. Like, they knew it existed almost immediately. Right. It's the only film of it. So. But if this like horribly tragic thing happens and then your government immediately tells you like he acted alone, like don't worry about it. Right. Like I would assume you wouldn't necessarily have the constant churn of questions right. in the immediate years following. And so the fact that it doesn't dig up until later, I assume most people, I mean, I've always thought about it as like, we're just never going to know. Right. Like, you know, we're just never going to know what the real, what really happened. Yeah. But yeah, at the time, I don't know. Like, I don't know how quickly that started. It, there were yeah. books in the late sixties. So I've run across this for this, for the show. Yeah. There were books that were published in the late 60s that start like really got into this more. And so I think there were always fringe people who thought it might be more, but how that how long it took for that to catch on in the yeah. general public consciousness, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. 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 But yeah, it must have been weird. Like, I mean, you know, living through any sort of event that has big question marks around it is gonna be that way, you know, like like the start of COVID in a lot of ways. Like yeah. Where like people then really debated like how well, how did this start? Even though it didn't seem like it really mattered that much, there were still radical you know, radical right wing people who really wanted to latch on to some some yeah. harebrained thing or some like you it's know a bioweapon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right. Like to really find a villain that it wasn't just an accident. So, you know, I think that there is something to that idea. But to your point, you know how would you actually know? Like, there's a lot of evidence. I think, I think it's a really interesting event just because they're, you know, it's the president and it's, there's so much to it. There's so many yeah. little pieces to it. Yeah. And there's and so many unexplainable parts of it. And it's such a pivotal moment in history. You and I have had this conversation before where like, what happens if Kennedy doesn't die? Like, yeah. I mean, maybe we didn't know at the time, but like that must have shaped the course of American history in the next 50 or 60 years in, in ways that like, we can't even, to be sure. Comprehend, yeah. Do you think of the stuff Kennedy wanted to get done, that Johnson is able to get done only because Kennedy dies? Yeah. Yep. The 60s are completely different. And I forget when we talked about this, but it was the idea that, like, if Kennedy didn't die, does all of that just happen in the 70s? Or does that stuff never really happen? Yeah. Like, is the Civil Rights Amendment just so, like, gutted by the time they finally get there 
that like it's not the same thing and then the country has you know a longer way to go or never you know like considering then eventually how crazy things get you know in the modern day like whatever happens there so i mean it's only in the last 10 years that they've really started to peel some of that back with the voting rights stuff that they're doing and like i just think that we made a lot of progress and and there's a lot that we got to experience and that just maybe wouldn't have happened and we I don't know, maybe we'd be back where we are today with all of these things going away that we had because of that. Right. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think it's, you know, I think there is something to that is that how much everything changed in that event and what it does then to history. Yeah. And this, of course, is a neat segue to J. Robert Oppenheimer, (laughs) who created the single most pivotal moment of the 20th century. Speed changing history. Yeah. So... J. Robert Oppenheimer, who is considered the father of the atomic bomb, wasn't Enrico Fermi, which I think is confusing for me because I'm always thinking he did everything, right? Yeah. But Fermi created the nuclear reaction and Oppenheimer basically created the bomb. That's that's the main difference. Yeah. Eisenhower, Eisenhower. Uh, Albert Einstein's more connected to the bomb than anything, but it's still, it's still yeah. Oppenheimer's thing, basically, right? Yeah. But... The dropping of the bomb creates the nuclear age, the atomic age that everyone lives through and ends, you know, global war basically forever that to, you know, to on some level. Yeah. Like, I always think of that, like life before and after that, like how Truman feels like as he's almost a modern president and FDR feels like he's an old world president and it's only because of the bomb. Like, it's just that it's the dividing line. Right. Yeah. So, so Oppenheimer dies. February of 1967. And he wasn't a terribly old man either. I didn't realize there's a lot of people who worked on the uh, atomic projects who dies of cancer. But yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Oppenheimer had smoked, uh, it was a chain smoker forever and died of lung cancer. So oh, there's that. But a lot of other people died of cancer. In of course they did. Yeah. So because like they also like, I think the reason that the whole nuclear project, the whole Manhattan project bases itself in New Mexico is because Oppenheimer like lived there. <laughs> like he wanted this <laughs> near his house. He like, they were looking for like just the right place. And he's like, oh yeah, it's right. Los Alamos. It's perfect. It's right by me. There was like a grade school there. It was not perfect in any way. Oh, <laughs> he was no. like, oh, it'd be perfect right here where this grade school is, you know, it's like how <laughs> oh, Fermi does the nuclear reaction under like the soccer field or something at the University of Chicago. It's like, yeah. this isn't the best place for this. You know? Yeah, it's a bad call. It's a bad yeah. call. But yeah, Oppenheimer was a teacher and he was like preternaturally smart. He he rapidly goes through school. I think he got his doctorate when he was like 22 or something. Like he was doing science and all these other things. But he was also really into religion and like philosophy. And this really ties into sort of where his life goes because yeah. he wasn't just a straight scientist. And he also wasn't a real normal dude by all accounts. Like it's a lot of his like friends and people would say that he was kind of, he was a little crazy. Like he just, he he had very extreme emotional reactions to things and he wasn't like the greatest friend. He slept with a lot of his like buddies, wives and stuff and like broke up a lot of marriages. Yeah. So he, he seemed like he was a little shady in that regard, but like his clear thing was just like how much he, he wanted to solve problems. He just loved science. Yeah. And so that's why he was so good at, at, at creating all of this stuff involved with, uh, nuclear physics. Uh, I'm going to throw this out right now. We've talked about this before we recorded the show. I don't understand <laughs> nuclear physics at all. And so even reading it, I had to gloss over so much because like, I just can't understand what this, what he did and how yeah. this tracks. And so I wanted Sarah to call me out if it gets dull. Yeah. 
So let me let me just put a, a TLDR line on it, uh, listeners. He did some sciencey stuff, mm. and it 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 allowed us to to make a bomb. Exactly, or it, made, it made the bomb. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, um, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get a high level history of all of this that happened. Sure. So yeah. FDR approved an atomic bomb project of some sort in October of 1941, which is interesting because we're not even in the war. <laughs> Interesting. But I think the rumors had already started that the Germans were working on something like this. And so it's like, well, we've got to do this because England is too busy getting bombed to really yeah, work on no this way. project. There's no way nothing. you can ask England to do this. No. Right. And so because the Germans are working on it, we certainly don't want Russia to get there first. Much like the moon, let's get all in on this. So yeah. uh, FDR approves it in 1942. They start the Manhattan Project properly, which is like the summer uh, Enrico Fermi uh, has the first nuclear reaction in Chicago in December um, mm -hmm. down at the University of Chicago. Yep. And then from there, the ball is rolling. So now Oppenheimer's working on this out in New Mexico. Fermi comes out and they're all making this happen. The first nuclear bomb test that's successful is, I believe, June of 1945. So it took a couple years. I mean, they yeah. were you know moving along, but... You know, July, oh, July 16th, 1945. It was the Trinity bomb test that was the first wow. bomb test. The famous, this is the famous moment, basically, when they finally realized that this is going to work. And uh, this is when famously Oppenheimer claims to have said, you know, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. But other people claim that he was just real excited that it worked. <laughs> so, so maybe later he looks back and he's like, this wasn't such a great thing. But at the time, people were like, he was just relieved and excited that it happened. So... Yeah. What he actually said was like, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I think he was just high-fiving people and like, you know, kissing broads. Like he was just having a great time. So, you know, but I mean, honestly, look at the world in July of 1945. You would be excited yeah. if, well, we can end this war, right? Yeah. Later he oh. did claim, now he was Jewish, Oppenheimer, and later he did claim he wished they had finished the bomb in time to bomb Germany. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think he was really strident about yeah, that. He, was, yeah. he, he regretted the fact they could only use it against Japan. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, uh, uh, it's complex. Do you blame him? Like, I get it. No, I mean, I feel like he's working on this all this time. Even if you're thinking of it as a theoretical scientist or whatever. Yeah. You work on something for all these years. You realize it works. And you realize the importance of it in the war. Maybe yeah. you don't immediately realize what this does to the society from now on, but you know later he can reflect on this and say this. Yeah. So yes, July sixteenth, the Hiroshima bomb is August sixth. So it's only a matter of a couple of weeks. Oops, yeah. Uh, so what I think is interesting though is if they really started this work with the idea that Germany was also doing this work. Like they may not have seen themselves as advancing us toward nuclear annihilation in the way that like they were just participating in the race versus and and maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't. I don't know that Germany really had the time or the resources to, you know, to to do this, but you know, maybe they did and just didn't finish and then were so decimated by the war. But but I think it's interesting if you think about their mindset at the time, there's almost a like I always, I always imagined that it was a should we or shouldn't we question, but it feels more like it could have been a we have to because if we don't, someone else will. Right. Like this is where the science was, you know, because yeah. it clearly wasn't like all of the information was centered in America. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Einstein was in Europe for a long time. So like there yeah. were scientists working on stuff, not yeah. Einstein was, but like there was a, a field, you know, 
and the fact that like the Germans had already, I, I think they're the first, uh, the first country to ever send anything into the the stratosphere outside of the the planet the exosphere whatever the farthest yeah. version is like they're still credited with that was technically nazi nazi germany sent a missile out there before any space programs existed so like they had technology to do a lot of complicated things yeah but but yeah there was apparently a plan at one point that like if germany got too if it if they were getting information that germany was getting too close to the bomb uh, apparently there's a conversation that Oppenheimer had with Fermi in like 1943 about contaminating the German food supply with strontium 90. Like, and the only reason they didn't do it was, I guess Oppenheimer only wanted to do it if they could guarantee to kill a certain number of people, like immediately, like it was supposed, this was supposed to be like a deterrent and like, and yeah. disruptive to that. Yeah. But Germany, like, never got that far with the bomb. I don't think there's ever any evidence that Germany was even particularly close to like nuclear reaction yeah. or, or anything like yeah. that. But there was this other contingency plan. And so like they were clearly paranoid that Germany was going to get there, but uh, they don't. And so <laughs> the Hiroshima bomb, the Hiroshima bomb, August 6th. And so then uh, three days later is the Nagasaki bomb. That's the one that really seems to change Oppenheimer. It ends the war, but Oppenheimer really was opposed to the using of the second bomb, as a lot of people were. Like, yeah. it's so close afterwards, it's almost like Japan didn't even really have a chance to assess what had happened properly and and immediately, you know, capitulate. Yeah. So, so that's seen as that's always been seen as you know the real tragedy of the two. I mean, yeah. both, it's it's still the fact that this had to happen to end the war has always been sad. It's always, it oh, it's doesn't awful. feel like the right thing, but yeah. it's still the idea that like, what would it have taken for Japan to surrender considering they're already doing kamikaze missions and they think the emperor is a God. Like yeah. there's always been the idea that like they would have fought to the last man. Like they would have, you would have had to have a mainland invasion of Japan and how complicated and long that would have taken. Yeah. Millions of people would have died trying to do it like Americans yeah. and Japanese. So, yeah. Um, do so, you ever wonder if we've been fed a narrative about the bomb just because our country was the one to drop it? Probably. Probably at least somewhat. Um, I don't really know what the alternative is, but, no. you know. I mean, I've always heard that. That line has always stuck with me. The idea that the mainland invasion of Japan would have been impossible. Like, it, yeah. we, we would have succeeded eventually, theoretically, just because of the, what we, the resources we had at that point and that the war in Europe was over, that everything would have been diverted into the Pacific. Yep. But, you know, I don't know, like, does it sound right that like they had to wipe out these giant cities to end the war? Maybe not like that. It yeah. seems like there should have been another way. But but it, you got to think of how fanatical at least yeah. Japan's always been presented. Is that yeah. accurate? Is that fair? You know, I don't yeah. know. So but anyway, that's that's what I've always heard. So then the fact that after that they um, surrender and the war is over, you know, World War II was the the pivotal, you know, changing yeah. point of everything that ever took place in the 20th century. Yep. Society yep. from that point forward, all of a sudden, the Americans and the Russians are the world superpowers. Everything changes. So, yeah. But then, yeah, the rest of Oppenheimer's life, Oppenheimer didn't go back to teaching, really. He taught some, but it seemed like they said very much his heart wasn't in this anymore. After you go through creating the bomb, like it just wasn't the same thing. Uh, he just um, didn't have the same zeal for, for, you know, world destruction that he used to. Yeah. I didn't really want to get in front of the chalkboard anymore. Like it was just, <laughs> I guess it just didn't seem the same. And, uh, and his life goes through some pretty strange 
uh, paths at this point. So the Russians' first nuclear bomb was in 1949, and by the, so now at this point, the rush, the like the nuclear arms race kind of takes hold, and mm -hmm. he's sort of against it. Like a lot of like scientists really weren't fans of this idea that we need to stockpile all of these nuclear weapons. Yep. Um, he was against, at least for a while, he was against creating the hydrogen bomb, yep. which he even, he said is just, it's completely pointless. Like you have a hydrogen bomb. There's no way you can ever use it. Like it's so, it's so destructive that there's no practical use for it in any kind of conflict. It's, it'll, it just kills millions of people. Like it's too, it's too powerful. Yep. And, and its existence is a threat just by being there. So, yeah. So he was very much against that. He ended up on a lot of kind of commissions to regulate atomic energy. Yeah. But what comes back to hurt him is when he was a teacher, he taught at Berkeley and he taught at Caltech and he was connected to a lot of communists. And yeah. so, because of that, he was always seen as kind of left and kind of a, a communist sympathizer. He and it, when he went before Huac a couple times, he didn't deny it. Like he didn't say he said he wasn't officially in the party, but that he really aligned in a lot of ways with those beliefs. And he was yeah. friends with a lot of these people. He's this, you know, West Coast kind of liberal communist, you know, yeah. thought process. So, but this does end his his government career essentially he got stripped of his security clearance in 1954 and then it's pretty much from then on he's never really involved in anything anymore except in a very high level sort of advisory way that, in a way that he just kind of gives speeches and things like yeah he's not really even though he's you know the key figure in creating the bomb in the first place he's basically taken out of the whole equation only a couple of years after that yeah uh, he was accused of being a russian agent at one point because <laughs> There, like some of the people that he worked with, uh, were approached by like actual Russians trying to get information in the pre-bomb era, like the the early forties. Yeah. But like they found notebooks or something later from the KGB that say that Oppenheimer clearly wasn't an agent. And you know, but like there was all this floating around, and you know, in this era with McCarthyism and Eisenhower, and you yeah. know, uh, it just didn't, it didn't, it it wasn't going well for him. Um, yeah. They tried, I think they ended up giving him the Enrico Fermi prize, which is like a, something for scientists. Kennedy gave it to him. And so they were sure. trying to rehabilitate his Pretty image much. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But, um, but then that was, and then, yeah, he dies in early 67. So, uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer. I was listening to a podcast the other day about what it means to use nuclear weapons today. Cause they're much smaller than they used to be. And yeah. like Russia's, you know, has them and you know, all this stuff. Anyway. But they were, what I didn't realize is that the hydrogen bomb they were saying was like hundreds, both the ones that we were detonating, the ones that Russia was detonating, like hundreds of times the size of the uh, Hiroshima and the Nagasaki bombs, which just seems crazy to me. Like yeah. they were so, so big, like yeah. in, in terms of their, their strength. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but yeah. like, yeah, how powerful they were. Right. Like that's what he was even like, that's why so many people were saying in the science community, like you can make these things just to say you made them and like yeah. as though that should be the deterrent, but there's no practical use for them in any way ever. Like there's just nothing you should ever do with them. So, no. and it was just this idea of just stockpiling them in case there was an attack and everyone can get wiped out the doomsday scenario. Like yeah. it's just not practical. It doesn't make any sense. And, and so this is, they were very much against this, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, and then he he did seem to sort of try to rewrite his own history a little bit. 
with the like how much he regretted doing it in the first place, being involved and creating the bomb. And that's I guess that's legitimate. Like you could yeah. you start living through the 50s and you get to see what the Cold War is, you know, up close. I imagine that that would do that. But yeah, but yeah, at the time, it seemed like he was just kind of a gung ho scientist just doing it to do it. So yeah. the chaos. Yeah. OK, so of our of our two chaos sowers, who do you think had the bigger impact on our lives today? Uh, I mean, the world, I would say Oppenheimer. America, mm -hmm. you could make the case for Ruby. I mean, just politically, how much things changed after that and how different everything is because of that. I think there's a case to be made. I don't know that a fear of nuclear war is an active thing today. I mean, it comes up once in a while where all of a sudden it's like, yeah. oh, well, Russia invaded the Ukraine, so there's a chance that nuclear war is going to break out. Yeah. But it's not like in the you know the 50s and 60s. No, no, we're not hiding under desks. And for it's different, I think, here than it is around the world too, because like because we're in America. If we were in a different country besides Russia, if we're just some other country in the post-war years, when all of a sudden these are the superpowers, that would feel weird, right? Like, yeah, we're our our whole existence is is being dictated by these two countries' whims, that's that's a terrible place to be, you know? Yeah. But Ruby, you know, I think there's a case that you can make that because of Kennedy's assassination and then how peculiar Oswald's assassination is, Oswald's murder. Yeah. Like, how it, just, it eventually sort of degrades, like, trust in the media, in the government, yep. in, and then you, the more that comes out about it, over time, I mean, maybe society would have gotten there anyway. Maybe it's just having access to information and mass communication, yeah. but that seems to accelerate a bunch of things. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, that's interesting. Do, were there conspiracy theories really before Kennedy that are notable today? I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, what was it that Roosevelt knew about Japan? You knew about hear? Pearl Harbor? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's some proof that that's actually true. That at least there was, he knew that something might happen, that they had that letter from the, yep. some, uh, the ambassador to Mexico or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's always been sort of a, you know, that he allowed this to happen to get into the war. That's, that's a yeah general kind of conspiracy idea. Yeah. Um, there's rumors that Warren Harding was murdered, that he didn't just die no. uh, in that hotel in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, that's never really been proven, but there's. Yeah ideas of it i mean th but these are almost just lies like they're not yeah, exactly yeah. conspiracies you know i guess before the before kennedy you really don't have a lot that happens where there's any real like photos evidence etc that you can examine to, right. and get access to is in the public to try and create these theories whereas if you think about something like 9-11 like there are tons of conspiracy theories because you can cut photos and videos in a million different ways and like you know uh, there's just more data to sift through that allows you to understand what happened, but also allows you to create false narratives or false theories just because you can kind of skew data and information to be whatever you need it to be. But when there's nothing like, okay, Warren Harding was killed. Great. Maybe that's true. You know what I mean? Like there's no way to, to argue for or against it because there's not, there's no information out there about it. Right. Like that's just what the modern age becomes, right? Because yeah. we have television and we have videos, but you get before 1950, unless things are getting filmed with newsreel cameras, there's really nothing like, yeah, you just, you just have people's, there's just word of mouth, just people's, you know, 
opinions. You don't really know, you know, people's testimonies. Yeah. So there's only so much of that you can really do, you know, like who was Jack the Ripper? There's no way to know. There's no, there's, you know, just theories. There's no way to, there's nothing to go on. Yeah. You don't have any kind of evidence now, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's just those sort of things. Like, so, I mean, there's speculation, there's always mysteries, but I don't know that there's something you could point to as like a definite conspiracy where some a big story that some weird narrative everybody believes is floated, but there's actually a whole other thing going on. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that would be. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think that kind of creates this modern age where now something that happens and like immediately the right wings are, oh, this is a false flag operation. None of this is real, oh you know. And the the problem exactly. is, yeah. like, I believe some, not that stuff, but I believe older stuff. Like, I believe some yeah. of those things. Like, this is all just covering up somebody's incompetence. This is all just, you know, doing, this is some other underhanded thing. So, yeah. so even in my mind, I've got a little bit of that, even though yeah. I realize so much of what you hear is complete nonsense, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I hear, I really, I really genuinely understand how people get radicalized and how, how people become the, believe it, all these crazy things that the right is is pushing these days because there are times when they'll be like, when, even if you're just listening to a news, explain what the right wing is saying, like they build compelling stories, right? Even if you know them, they're not true. I find myself like being like, wait a minute. Oh no, no, that's a lie. Like, but it's, it's interesting. Like they, they really do a good job of understanding what gets people riled up. I was listening. Well, I was listening to a podcast about critical race theory and how like, that's not really a conspiracy theory, but it is one of these ways that they like tell this narrative about something that's happening in schools that isn't happening. Like it's just not happening. And, but they've made all of these people believe that like teachers are going in and telling their children that if they're white, they're bad and they're inherently racist. And, you know, the like teaching this theory that is like an academic, you know, theory that's taught in graduate schools and that like some right it's this idea that this is happening when it's not it's just not happening and it's it's just so like it's so out in the open what they're doing these days that it it does to your point like it feels like it started back with the kennedy assassination and and grew from there maybe like i think people who are already inclined against something when they hear then something wild about it they're more you know likely to latch on to it yeah i mean even when you get to look at us look at look at us and like looking at like the trump administration any yeah. crazy thing you heard you believed because so much of it was so crazy right yeah. but not all of that was true like there's yeah. stuff in there that wasn't real like that, that was just sort of you know made up and built on the back of some little truth a whole big lie comes up from it so yeah. like even we have the same thing you start living in the echo chamber and you, you're just listening to you know the same type of people even if you think like well i'm getting kind of a fair look at stuff little bits that poison you, little things that come up. And you're just more and more inclined towards that. I remember once hearing that Mike Pence went through like gay conversion therapy and I just totally believed it. I was like, because he's such a monster. You're like, like, that makes perfect sense then why he would be this way. But it's nonsense. Obviously that didn't happen. Like, like, you know, for like an hour I was like, yeah, I'd buy that. Why not? (laughs) And so like, that's just that, but it's that mindset. Like you get so far into something like that. And you just, it's demonizing the other people, but it's also like having enough exposure to actual things you disagree with, yep. but then it's not that hard to just kind of jump onto that. You can see yeah. how that happens. Like, yeah. I mean, this um, is modern society and, and tribalism, but it's it's still yeah. real. Like it's still, it's still there. Yeah. On, on January 6th, a picture was floating around of like armed guards at the Capitol and someone was like, this is the Capitol, the last Black Lives Matter rally. And I retweeted it. It wasn't true. It wasn't. 
right. that's not what it was from. I don't know what it was from, but that's not what it was. And uh, and then I was like, oh shit, like I I'm the problem. Oh, I gotta gotta read, gotta gotta make sure I verify. You know, right. it was this. It's so easy to fall into. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, and it's only getting harder, like, because, because of the sheer amount of information, the amount of this craziness you have to deal with that just trying to pick through it just to find what's real, you know, but you can't discount every crazy thing. Some of that's true. Some of (laughs) it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it hard. So, but yeah, I think, so that's, that's where I would come down. That's what I would say, as I think you can make a case both ways, you know, I think the vagaries of the the Ruby Oswald Kennedy story keep it alive in a different way yeah. than than Oppenheimer's very you know obviously this is what we did you know yeah. and this is this is what happened after that kind of thing yeah so, so. Um, all right uh, ahoy heads uh, hit us up on Twitter who killed Kennedy let us know <laughs> was it J Robert Oppenheimer <laughs> and what did Muhammad Atta have to do with this wait. <laughs> Isn't it a coincidence that he was born on one nine eleven in nineteen eleven? Suspicious. Suspicious. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this one. Our our dark look at the nineteen sixty seven deaths. We almost just did Spencer Tracy. <laughs> that seems like that would have been fun. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry, listeners. I hope you like, enjoyed no. this ride. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been quite a time. Uh, there yeah. is no appropriate outro for this episode. No. What do you no. want to do? Is there a song um, you can sing? Something fun? <laughs> There's something fun. Um, oh my God. Do you want... <laughs> oh my God. My idea was to, to make bomb noises. <laughs> That's wholly inappropriate. Let's I'm make sorry. bomb noises with our mouths? No. You know what? <laughs> Let's not do that. What was that quote? What was the quote when uh, when Jack Ruby shot that guy? Damn it, Jack! Damn it, Jack! Why did shot that guy? I'm gonna look that up because I I feel like um okay you're gonna cut out this pause but I'm gonna look that up because I feel like uh I I may have uh, just perpetuated a conspiracy theory about what that guy shouted. Hold please. I like the idea that there's like one whiny guy there. He's like, oh come on, we gotta try that. He killed the president. What are you doing, Jack? Oh, it's even better than I said it was. He exclaimed, Jack, you son of a bitch. (laughs) What a great reaction. Like, it's like a friend of yours doing something dumb. You're at the bar and you knock over a glass. Damn it, Jack, you son of a bitch. Oh, my God. Classic. Uh, Classic Dallas. uh, Uh, All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, hanging in all this time. This has been a weird one. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This has been It Happened One Year. Please follow us on all social media. Also, we play Pokemon Go. Here's my trader code. 26511855 I need friends from Hawaii. Thank you.